National Broadcasting Company presents Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. All right, Shamus, hand it over. Let's have it. Have what? I ain't got time to play games. This time you got to believe me. This time I'm unhappy, so hand it over. You're not making it very easy. I'm going to make it a lot tougher. How much tougher can things get? You'd be surprised. I've waited a long time for this. Well, I guess everything comes to he who waits. You won't have to wait anymore. You know something? I don't mind killing you at all. Here's another exciting half hour with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, homicide made easy. With us, it's the corpse that counts. Oh, I just don't think I'll ever get used to it. Hi, Helen. Hi. What are you doing? Oh, right now, nothing. But I've been considering a few push-ups or something just to keep my heart going. <laughs> I've been sitting behind this desk so long my blood doesn't circulate anymore. It just lies around in puddles. Oh, Rick. Morning, Mr. Diamond. Oh, hold it a second, honey. Morning, Phil. Who's Phil? Uh, the postman. Oh. Special delivery for you. Return receipt on it. Sign right here. Sure. Hmm. Okay, there you are, Phil. Okay. See you later, Mr. Diamond. Yeah. Rick? Yeah, yes, dear? Well, what is it? Hmm? Well, what did the postman want? Well, wanted to give me a letter. Oh? Special delivery. Hmm? From the city hall. Oh, must be important. What does it say? Well, let's see. It says, uh, Mr. Richard Diamond, uh, address, so on and so forth. Yes, oh, here. Yeah. Hmm. Dear sir, you are hereby notified that under the laws of this state, you can be called. Oh, for Pete's sake. Well, what's the matter? Of all the rotten... Oh, stop making noises and tell me what's wrong. You know what the stupid letter is about? I've been trying to find out. I, honey, have got to report to the police commission and get examined. Oh, Rick, have you caught something? Dear, in this state, the commission can call in any private detective and give him a test to find out whether or not he can still qualify to keep on operating. You mean they give you a test like in school? You're darn right. Oh, oh and it says here I've got to appear today. What if you don't? Well, I lose the bond I had to post when I took out my license. No, Rick, you better get right down there. Oh, oh, and here's something else that's real cute. Hmm? Guess where I have to take the test. Walt's precinct. Has to be. Yeah, aren't they the little devils? <laughs> Report to Lieutenant Walter Levinson, 5th Precinct, Homicide. What time, Rick? Time? Ten minutes ago. Oh, bye, Rick. <laughs> It was 10 after 11 when I hung up on Helen. It was 12 after when I hit the street. The 5th Precinct was a good 10 blocks away, and I was bounding into the squad room by 11.18. Needless to say, it put a horrible strain on several unused ligaments. Four or five boys in my charming profession were there ahead of me. Well, boys, it looks like the commission's serious this time. When they start dragging in their pets, namely one Richard Diamond... You can bet the heads are going to start rolling. What if the heads do start rolling, Romero? You got a spare? Ah, it's very... Hey, Shamus, you're late. Well, Sergeant Otis, do you need a shave or you've been sleeping with your head on a porcupine? I ain't got no time for your crummy jokes, Diamond. Take a seat and wait your turn. Thank you, Otis. Uh, by the by, you're the last on the list. <laughs> that figured. Yeah, take a seat, Diamond. Last on the list, huh? <laughs> Looks like you don't swing as much wet as you thought you did. At least now I can understand the reason for this examination. Oh, you can, eh? Sure. Guys like you, Romero, would make it necessary to clean up any organization. Oh, I take it you don't think I'm a credit to the profession, eh, Diamond? Take it any way you like, but stick with the first guess. Oh, what's the matter, Rick? Maybe I'm taking some of your business away, eh? Look, Romero, the kind of business you handle would keep me buying too much disinfectant. <laughs> And as long as you're asking what's wrong, I'll tell you two things. Yeah? You're a lousy detective and you'd burn your grandmother if there was enough money in it. Oh, okay, what's the second beef, Ricky? You just said it. You want to talk to me? It's Mr. Diamond. You slip again and I'll put your jaw in a position so you won't forget. Is that right? Oh, get out of my way, Romero. Oh, sure, sure, Mr. Diamond. Hey, Rick, can I see you a minute? Yeah, by all means, see your friends and have a good talk about me. Oh, uh, what is it, Alan? 
I just thought you might be more comfortable over here. I would have called you sooner if I was kind of hoping you might lay one on Romero. Oh, I'd love to bust his face up. There's just no excuse for him. Okay, so we all got our bonds to worry about. Relax, you got a long wait. Okay, Diamond, it's your turn now. Not really. Go on in. Sorry you had to wait so long. Thank you, Sergeant Otis. You're very kind. If I'd waited any longer, I'd have been numb. And don't ask me where. Now, come in, Rick. Bring your slate pencil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sit down, Mr. Diamond. In a nice, soft chair? Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't do that, Lieutenant. I've gotten so used to that bench outside, sort of grown to fit it, you might say. Oh, now, Rick, I'm sorry, but there was nothing I could do about Mr. it. Mr. Diamond, Lieutenant. Huh? Oh, yeah, I hear you've been giving that to a lot of people lately. Otis tells me you and Pat Romero had some kind of discussion along those lines. Uh, why doesn't the government stick Otis out on the beach somewhere and use him for radar? Let him look for flying saucers. Rick, there's no sense in acting like a child. The name is Diamond. Since when? Since two hours of solid sitting, Lieutenant. Okay, Mr. Diamond. Unfortunately, the commission set this thing up, Mr. Diamond. I had nothing to do with it, Mr. Diamond. Hmm. As for your waiting, there's enough hard feelings about your relations with this department. If I put you at the head of the list, Mr. Oh, Diamond... shut up! Lieutenant! Lieutenant! Mr. Diamond! Mr. Diamond! That's better. It certainly is. Here's the first half of the examination paper. You'll get the second half later. Write the answers to these questions. Hmm. How long have I got? Take your time. Still mad? Yeah. Oh. So for the next 30 minutes, I wrote. I wrote and Walt stewed. It was something I could always count on with Walt, and being my best friend, he never had been able to get used to it. I looked up and caught him a couple of times, looking out of the corner of his eye to make sure I was getting them right. Don't misunderstand, Walt would never give me the answers. He'd just cough or blow his nose or something to show me I wasn't on the right track. Hmm? Oh. Oh? Huh. There you are, Lieutenant. Thank you, Mr. Diamond. Am I finished? You most certainly are not. Like the others before you, Mr. Diamond... You will have to solve, to my complete satisfaction, a hypothetical case of homicide. And then come back here and fill in the second half of the examination. Oh, for Pete's sake, Walt. I did that in police school. It's oh, for Pete's sake, Lieutenant. Oh, all right. Uh, one moment, Mr. Diamond. I'll get the man who's going to give you the test. Otis. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant? Oh, no. Would you mind coming in here and taking Mr. Diamond down to the basement? He's ready for the test, huh? Yes, Sergeant. He's ready. <laughs> Now, there's a dummy in that room there, Diamond. You sure leave yourself wide open, Otis. Thanks. Uh, now the dummy, or in this case, the victim, has been murdered. You will go in and try to solve the murder to the best of your ability. If you are intelligent and observing, you will locate the necessary clues which have been placed about the room. Go on in. How long have I got, Sergeant? Thirty minutes, starting now. Go ahead in. Otis! Otis! Oh, now, come on, Shamus. You ain't gonna tell me you solved it already. No, Otis, I ain't. But there's something I think you should know. Yeah, what? There are two victims in this room. And I hate to be the one to tell you, but I'm afraid one of them isn't really a dummy. What do you mean? One of them is a body, and it's very dead. Get the lieutenant. Pat Romero, shot through the head. Oh, no, no, no. Shut the door, Otis. Yeah. And lock it. Stand in front of it. Don't let anybody in. How did this happen? How did Romero get shot in my department? Oh, what'll the commissioner say? Uh, Lieutenant. You shut uh, up. Walt, uh, relax. Will you take it easy Oh, now? sure, sure. Relax. Take it easy. When the commissioner hears about this, I'll have a lot of time to relax on a beat in Flatbush. Look, Walt. And I... the newspapers. What's going to happen when they get wind of this? Listen, Walt. Private I... detective shot in lab room of 5th Precinct. Homicide. Relax, take it easy. Sure, sure. Well, at least shut up long enough to hear what I've got to say. Rick, what am I going to do? Well, now listen to me. 
If we can solve this thing before anyone gets wind of it, maybe it won't be so bad. You're right. Maybe it won't. We'll keep this room closed up as long as possible. Otis, if you let anyone in here, I'll personally see that you never... Where are you going, Diamond? I'm going to Romero's office. I'll call you from there. Make a check on his body and have all the dope ready for me. Oh, don't you worry about the dope, Rick. I've got more dope in this department than any other in the whole world. I've got the biggest. Otis. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant. Walt chased Otis up the wall, and I headed for Pat Romero's office. Everything was happening so fast, I didn't take time to think much past the fact that the private detective profession had taken a step in the right direction when someone retired Romero. But Walt was in a spot, and someone had broken the law, so it looked like it was up to me to try and tie things together. I got to Romero's building, went up to the eighth floor, tripped over a couple of rats having a nervous breakdown because they couldn't find their way out, found his office, opened the door, and started feeling sorry for myself right away. Oh. I never saw him. All I remember is something black and shiny in front of my face just as I hit the floor. When I tried to take a better look, the bright, shiny something kissed me right in the mouth and I went to sleep the hard way. When I finally came around, it was like trying to tiptoe through an acre of beach balls. I stumbled a couple of times, spit out a little blood. Very little, because the way I felt, there couldn't have been too much left. When I finally got around to a normal way of thinking, I perceived two things. It was still daytime, and the office of one Mr. Pat Romero, deceased, was a wreck. Fifth Precinct, Homicide. Well? Who is this first? Oh, now, come on. This is Diamond. Well, I thought so, but I'm not going to admit anything for a while, even my name. Anyone find out about... Shh, no. What did you find out? Well, I walked into his office and got my brain scattered. By whom? I don't know. I wish I did. I have a very sore head. Well, Romero was shot all right, but we can't find the bullet. That's well, not a very big room. We'll find it, but in the meantime, here's something else. Romero had $10,000 in cash on him. New bills. Go ahead. That's all we've come up with so far. We'll have more to go on when we find that bullet. Well, maybe it's still in him. Went clean through. Messed up his pretty patent leather haircut. What? What do you mean, what? I said the bullet... Oh, never through. mind. Never mind, Walt. Bless your little pointed head. You just gave me an idea. What? About the guy who worked me over a little while ago. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. Hurry up and find that missing bullet. Walt had said something about patent leather when he referred to Romero's greasy hairdo. That was all I needed. It opened a door someplace, and there, sitting with its legs crossed, was the biggest hunch I've ever seen. And it was wearing patent leather shoes. The only guy I could think of who would know a man like Romero and still wear patent leather shoes in the afternoon was a local gambler with a reputation as a fashion plate, monocles, striped trousers, and always the patent leather shoes. In fact, that's where he got his nickname, the patent leather kid. This was a small clue, and I knew it, but one thing was in my favor. Anyone who would tear up Romero's office and kick me in the face had to be a bad little boy, and the patent leather kid was tight casting. The kid's real name was Amos Fletcher, and he ran a small club over on 14th Street. I'm sorry, my friend, but the... Well... Hello, Fletcher. I was going to say I'm sorry, my friend, but the place isn't open until six. I got a few questions. Come back at six. Fletcher, I'm a little unhappy right about now. You answer the questions like a good boy or I'll kick you all over the place. You mind if I call a few of my boys to watch? If you like. Tell them I got a 38 under my arm that goes off and I get excited. Got a few questions. Come back at six. Fletcher, I'm a little unhappy right about now. You answer the questions like a good boy or I'll kick you all over the place. You mind if I call a few of my boys to watch? If you like. Tell them I got a 38 under my arm that goes off and I get excited. Tell them I sort of lose my head when I get kicked in the mouth and don't get the answers I want. <laughs> I think you better believe me. So you got kicked in the mouth? Yeah. By a pair of patent leather shoes, just like yours. I had nothing to do with it. You know a guy named Romero? Romero? No, I don't know a guy by that name. Where were you an hour ago? Right here. I have a couple of friends to prove it. We were playing cards, canasta. Okay, okay. I'm glad you're satisfied, Mr. Diamond. Who said I was satisfied? No? Not a bit. Well, what about this Romero? He got himself shot. Badly? As bad as you can get shot. Well, Shamus, that's a chance you boys take. Maybe Romero would have lived longer in another racket. Think about it, Shamus. 
I'll think about it, Fletcher. I'll think about it a long time. Good. Let me know what you decide. You'll hear about it. Walt, check and find out where Amos Fletcher does his banking. See if he's made any big withdrawals lately. Patent leather kid? What's he got to do with it? Just check. Okay, okay. What about the bullet? Have you found that yet? No. Oh, swell. Did you find anything else? A bunch of stuff in Romero's wallet. What? Oh, driver's license, social security numbers, some business cards. Card from a real estate office that might be important. Why should it be? A notation on the back. Says, call Miss Crockett about new lease. Date after that, yesterday. New lease? Romero has an office. I wonder what this new lease is. Why don't you check? Crockett Real Estate, Lexington Avenue. Bye. I'll revolve. What? Something I could... Well, well, well. Good afternoon. Ain't as though... <laughs> Those can be before you rolled them gorgeous shoulders through that door. <laughs> sit, sit down, Sonny. Relax. Uh, have yourself a drink. Uh, no, thanks. A little early in the day for me. Uh, a little early. Well, you'll excuse me, won't you, Sonny? If it gets any later, my stomach's liable to rust. <laughs> <coughs> Get it? Yeah, all over me. What's your name, Sonny? Uh, Gotta know, you know, if I'm going to sell you some real estate. Play football in school, Sonny? Uh, figures, figures. Oh, look at them shoulders. Look, sweetheart. Huh? What did you say? I said, look, sweetheart. Oh. Why? <laughs> no sense in raising all these goosebumps for nothing. <laughs> sweetheart, huh? <clears throat> Well, what can I do for you, Sonny? You want Madison Avenue at 50 cents a front foot? <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Mm. Sure you won't have a drink, Sonny? Uh, no, thanks. I'd just like to ask you one question. Well, go go right ahead, Sonny. You know, I, 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 I may not look it, but I'm considered one of the best real estate agents in this state. Do you know a man named Romero? Sure, I know him. Did you just rent him some offices? Yep. Signed the lease yesterday. A whole new suit of offices over on 46th Street. 46th Street? Mm. Where on 46? Oh, right. Say, are, are you a cop? What makes you think that? Oh, I don't know. Romero's offices are right across from the police station. The 5th Precinct. Sonny, you bother me. You're too nervous. Now, why don't you just sit down and get comfortable and we'll What talk... building are the offices in? Carson Building on the 4th floor. But what don't you just take it easy, Sonny? Thanks, sweetheart. Oh, you devil, you. <laughs> Look, Rick, we know Romero was shot in this room while he was either sitting or kneeling. Because the bullet entered his head at a high angle. Yeah. I think he was shot with a rifle, Walt. A rifle? Yeah, from across the street. Romero rented some new offices in the Carson building, directly opposite this building. I just saw them. Somebody tore in those part two. Uh, well, I checked on Amos Fletcher. Does his banking at the National. Made a withdrawal this morning, 10000 bucks in new bills. Who is it? Come on in. As a shaman solved the jet, Lieutenant. Walt, come here. Yeah? Now, look, fourth floor, Carson building, right over there. See the open window? Yeah. Now, if someone in one of those offices fired a rifle, and there's no bullet hole in the lower portion of the window in this room, that means it went through the open part. So Romero would have to be standing all, let's say, about, uh, oh, about right here. Well, that would make the slug somewhere out in the hall. Right. But it would have to pass through the door. There's no hole in the door. Hey, the door was open when me and the shamas came down here. That's right, Walt. Let's see if we can find that bullet. What was Romero doing down here? Oh, he was just finishing this part of the test when I went up to get diamond. Hey, Walt, Walt. Huh? I think I got the bullet. Yeah. Under the rug. Yeah, you'll have to pry it out. It's in the floor pretty deep. Okay. 
Who did he go after? Amos Fletcher? That's right. What's your proof? Not much. It's, it's all a guess. You know what kind of a guy Romero was. Yeah, the worst. Well, let's see. Romero had 10000 in his pocket. Fletcher took out 10000 this morning. Sounds like blackmail. Could be. Somebody was tearing Romero's old office apart looking for something when I broke in on him. And got a patent leather shoe in the face for my trouble. That isn't very much to go on. Well, how about this? I asked Fletcher if he knew Romero. He said no. But as I left, he mentioned that Romero probably got killed because, like myself, he was in the wrong racket. How did he know that? Well, still not enough to convict him. Would a confession do it, Grouchy? You know darn good and well a confession is the only thing that would do it. That or find the murder weapon and prove it belongs to Fletcher. Oh, you're so technical. Okay, I'm, I'm going back to the office. Give me about ten minutes and have Otis call Fletcher. Oh? Have Otis call Fletcher? Oh, not as Sergeant Otis. Just, just have him call and give Fletcher, a, oh, a friendly tip. From the way those two officers were torn up, it's my guess that Fletcher hasn't found what he's looking for yet. Just tell him I found it. Found what? Found anything. You don't have to be specific. Who said I was gonna be? Gonna be what, you mallet head? Specific! You don't even know what it means. It means precisely formulated or restricted. Huh? Oh, here, I got the bullet out of the floor, Lieutenant. Bye, Walt. I left the precinct and headed back for Broadway in my office on the corner of 53rd. I knew that Amos Fletcher, the patent leather kid, was the boy we wanted. But whether or not he'd fall for the gag was a matter of luck. Luck is a big part of my business. So I went to my office and sat on behind my desk to wait. In case Amos Fletcher showed up, I wanted to be sure to be able to hold up my end of the conversation. So I took out my thirty-eight and put it across my knees. Diamond Detective Agency... If you've slaughtered a dozen, no difference to me. One or fifty, it's the same old fee. What kind of a remark is that, Shamus? What kind of remark did it sound like, Sergeant? I ain't got time to answer that. I called Fletcher. Good. What did you tell him? Well, I was pretty good, as a matter of fact. I disguised my voice like this. And I says, Amos Fletcher. And he says, yeah. So I says, just a little tip I thought you might want to know about. Richard Diamond has got that which you has been looking for. He found it in Romero's new offices. How was that, Shamus? Brilliant change of voice. Uh, you think it'll work? Put down the phone. You hear me, Shamus? You think it'll work? Hang it up. Hey, Diamond! Oh, that's better. All right, Shamus, let's have it. Have what? I haven't got time to play games. This time, you've got to believe me. This time, I'm unhappy, so hand it over. You're making it pretty tough, Fletcher. I'm going to make it a lot tougher. Oh, oh now, isn't that a pretty big gun to be carrying around? It's a little big, sure, but it does everything I want it to. Mm-hmm. A German Schmeischer, isn't it? That's right. Put a stock on it, and you could shoot it like a rifle. I'm going to count three, and then I'm just going to shoot it. Now, why don't you be smart and give me the stuff? Let it ring. It might be a paying client. It might. Let it ring. You shot Pat Romero from his new offices across the street from the 5th Precinct, didn't you, Fletcher? Is that what you say? Yeah. What was he doing, blackmailing you? You gave him $10,000 sometime today. You know, you're talking yourself right into a long box. Why did you shoot him in a police station? I paid him the $10,000 and he handed me the stuff and I thought it was a McCoy. I went back to my office and started checking through the stuff. That phone's gonna bother me! There. You checked the stuff back in your office and you found out it was phony. You got worried, went back to Romero's offices. He wasn't there. He was across the street in the 5th Precinct. You spotted him through the window and shot him. That's right, Shamus. I saw him talking to a cop and figured he might be spilling his guts. I waited until a cop left and I nailed him. Now, give me the stuff. You'll have to believe me, Fletcher. I haven't got it. Don't give me that. I got a tip. Sure you did. That was Sergeant Otis from Homicide. You're crazy. Am I? He said, just a little tip. I thought maybe you might want to know about. Richard Diamond has got that which you has been looking for. <laughs> what did Romero have on you? Some records. You know something, Diamond? I don't mind killing you at all. Drop it, Fletcher. What? Wait. I got it, Walt. Oh, 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 oh. Fletcher. Fletcher. How is he, Walt? Pretty bad. I didn't know you had a gun, Rick. Neither did Fletcher. Diamond. Yeah? Phone for a doctor. Hurry. I'll do it, Rick. Hey, who tore this phone out of the wall? Fletcher got tired of hearing it ring. <laughs> What's that you're playing, Rick? 
Oh, it's an old thing. Mm. Oh. Yes. Hello, Helen. This is Walt. Yes, Walt. He's right here. Thanks, Dan. Hello, Walt. Rick, we found the stuff Romero was blackmailing Fletcher with in a safety deposit box. A bunch of books that exposed one of Fletcher's old rackets, enough to send him away for life. Well, bully for you. Oh, and something else. You better get down here right away. What for? You didn't finish your test. You don't want to flunk it, do you? What? You got the first part all right, the hypothetical part I can cover for you. But you didn't do anything on the last part of the written examination. Now, you listen to me, fatty. Fatty? The fattest. I've chased my head off solving a case and getting your big feet... Big feet? Big feet out of trouble. I've gotten shot at, insulted, kicked in the face. Well, those things... I don't want to hear any more of your lame brain excuses. You just fix it up for me, and I'm going to go in and drop a few subtle hints to the commissioner about his nasty old lieutenant. You wouldn't. Oh, but I would. What did you say? Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Take the test for me. Fill out the answers yourself. Cheat. Cheat? Cheat! But, but, but... Oh, that's what you always say. Now, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, honey, you were asking me about this little old song. Hmm, pretty. What is it? Oh, well, give a listen. Oh, how I miss you tonight. Miss you when lights are low. Oh, how I need you tonight. More than you'll ever know. Each moment, though we're apart, you're never out of my heart. But I'd rather be lonely and wait for you only. Oh, pal, how I miss you tonight. Okay? Mm, oh, it's very pretty. Shall I? Uh, might as well. Yes? May I please speak to Mr. Diamond? Oh, my goodness. Rick. Uh, what? Yes, but look out. Oh, oh, all right. Hello. You passed, Mr. Diamond, 99 out of 100. 99 out of 100, hmm? Which one did I miss? The last one. I knew you wouldn't care, so I let Otis fill it in for you. No. Yes, the commissioner wants to see you tomorrow morning. Why? What was the question? To what department does the cleanup squad belong? Well, what did Otis write for an answer? The Department of Sanitation. Tomorrow at 11, Rick. <laughs> Au revoir. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Ed Begley played Lieutenant Walt Levinson. Also in the cast were Wilms Herbert, Francis Robinson, Don Diamond, Ann Morrison, and Paul Dubov. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Today's show was written by Blake Edwards and directed by Russell Hughes. Dick Powell currently may be seen in the motion picture version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. This is Eddie King inviting you to be with us next Sunday at this same time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. What's on NBC today? One of the finest programs in NBC's Sunday lineup of stellar entertainment is Theater Guild on the Air. Later today, be sure to hear Richard Widmark and Teresa Wright in the romantic comedy, There's Always Juliet. That's Richard Widmark and Teresa Wright on Theater Guild on the Air, today on this NBC station. Next, hear James Melton and Harvest of Stars on NBC. many years ago, tomato soup and cream of tomato were unusual dishes, enjoyed very much, but not very often. Today, of all the soups in the world, tomato soup is the one most often served. Not because women have taken to making tomato soup frequently, no, on the contrary, few housewives ever attempt it anymore. There's just one reason for tomato soup's popularity, and it is this, the magic matchless flavor of Campbell's tomato soup. 
There's a lively verb, a dashing zest about this flavor that people take to at once and come back to and enjoy again and again. The first racy taste of it has a way of arousing a desire to eat. And yet there's a pleasant feeling of satisfaction when the last spoonful is gone. So this soup is a happy choice for the main dish at lunchtime or at supper. And it also is a fine way to start today's main meal. Serve it sometimes, too, as cream of tomato, made with milk instead of water. You can always be sure that it will be received with pleasure. Because this, of all soups, is the one people like to have most often. Campbell's Tomato Soup. Romo Seltzer presents The Adventures of Ellery Queen. Tonight, the makers of Bromo Seltzer bring you another thrilling adventure with Ellery Queen, the celebrated gentleman detective in person. Ellery Queen again gives you a chance to match wits with him as he relates another story of a crime he alone unraveled. Then, at the point where he was able to solve the mystery, he stops the play, gives you a chance to guess the criminal's name. In the studio tonight, we have as our guests Ken Sears, New York Yankee catcher, and Art Flynn, business editor of the weekly newspaper, Sporting News. We'd hope to have with us, too, the star second baseman of the Yankees, Joe Gordon, but he was unable to join us. However, Messrs. Sears and Flynn have accepted Ellery Queen's challenge to solve the mystery before the solution is revealed. And now, Ellery Queen, master detective and your host for the next half hour. Thank you, Ernest Chappell, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In tonight's story, Nicky and I quite unexpectedly become involved in the crucial game of the World Series. I call it The Adventure of the World Series Crime. what's happened. The Eagles won the first three games. Then the Larks came back to take the fourth and fifth games. And now the Larks are leading in the sixth game, three to two. Here's the pitch. Ball four. That's a walk for Henderson. Fills the bases for the Eagles. Two out. We'll see now. Well, here's the great Sparks himself coming to bat. Now, let's see. A hit will score two runs. The Eagles will win four to three, and the World Series will be over. But if the Larks can stop Sparky again, the series will be all tied to three games apiece. And the payoff game tomorrow, there it is. Strike one, Sparky. You know, everybody's asking what's happened to Sparky. Champion batter of the major leagues, he was an Arkansas tornado in the first three series games. Hit over 500. Won the first three games for the Eagles almost single-handed. And then he folded. Here's the pitch. Strike two. Strike two. Sparky didn't get a hit in the fourth game or the fifth. And today, in three official tries, the great Sparks has popped up once and struck out twice with men in scoring positions. There it is. Ball one. one. That's one and two on Sparky. You know, there's some ugly rumors around, but take it from your Uncle Ted, they're just malarkey. You know, you've heard them. But Sparky's been drugged. Sparks has sold out to the gamblers. It's all... Here it is. Strike three. Sparky didn't even lift his bat off his shoulder. He's out. Well, that's the game, folks. Ties it up at three games apiece. But what's happened to Sparks? Mr. Dayton, owner of the Eagles, wants to know. Mac McClune, fighting manager of the Eagles, wants to know. What's happened to Sparky? Listen, Weisenheimer, I'll give it to you in plain English. There ain't no more tickets. Oh, oh. hello, Mr. McClune. The boss in, Susie? Uh, yeah, he's waiting for you. Say, Mr. McClune, I want to tip you off. The boss said me and the boyfriend could see today's game from his box. And, well, you know what that means. Yeah, as usual, Dayton's ducking out in a pinch. Yeah, well, the rest of us still think you can lick them bombs, Mr. McClune. Thanks, Susie. Want to see me, Mr. Dayton? Oh, come in, Mac. Yeah. Mac, I am leaving you in complete charge. Going away today, Mr. Dayton? 
I notice you have your golf clubs already. Mm, yes, I'm running up to the country club. I, I couldn't stand the strain of the final game, Mac. <clears throat> My uh, heart, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll phone you the result. Well, it's not as if I were running out on you or the team, Mac. Of course not, Mr. Dayton. Uh, you'll, you'll bench Sparks, of course. Thought you were leaving me in charge. But, my dear McClune, he's had half a dozen chances to win the series in the last three games. And what's he if done? If Sparky goes, I go. Oh, he couldn't bat a ball with a coal shovel. Bat a ball. Bat. Bat. Oh, what a fool I've been. Of course, the bat. What are you raving about, Mac? Look, Mr. Dayton, if your heart can stand the strain of making one phone call before you go out to play golf, just one, mind you, we can still win this series. A phone call? I want a detective. Pay any fee he asks, but have him here in 15 minutes. A detective? What detective, Mac? The best in the world, Mr. Dayton. If there's one man can save this World Series for us, it's Ellery Queen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have the beginning of our mystery. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you more. But first, Ernest Chappell. You know, nobody minds hard work these days because we're working for victory. But what are you going to do when you're stopped by a common sick headache? Now, Miss Edith I of Fremont Avenue, Los Altos, California, has the answer to that. She writes, I work at the Red Cross seven hours a day, five and a half days a week, and spend what time I have left practicing my music. This constant work and study is quite a strain, and sometimes I get a common sick headache and my nerves feel on edge. Well, one evening, while listening to your very entertaining Ellery Queen program, I heard your clever, educated train tell about Bromo Seltzer, and I decided to try it the next time I got a headache. Was I delighted with the quick, effective relief I got? Why, in just a short time, my head felt a lot better, and my jumpy nerves began to calm down. I told everyone at the office about it, but most of them informed me that they were already familiar with Bromo Seltzer's grand health and had been relying on it for a long time. Now I'm never without Bromo Seltzer. I keep a bottle in my desk at the office and another at home. And that's a wise idea for everybody. You know, these days, you never know when you're liable to get a common sick headache. So if you don't already have a big blue bottle of Bromo Seltzer in your home medicine chest, get one tomorrow for sure. Now back to our mystery. In answer to Mac McClune's phone call, Ellery, Nicky, the inspector, and Sergeant Veeley have just arrived. Hello, Mac. Uh, hello, Ellery. You know my father, Inspector Queen? The inspector. Hi, Mac. Sergeant Veeley. Hi. And this is my secretary, Nicky Porter. Hello. Porter. <laughs> when they heard you wanted me on a case, Mac, I couldn't shake them off. <laughs> There's anything we can do to help the Eagles win, Mac. Thanks, Inspector Queen. We're Eagle fans, all of us. We need them all, Miss Porter. I got a week salary on the Eagles, Mac. You and a flock of others, Sergeant. <laughs> Where's uh, Mr. Dayton? In a place where he won't bother us. Uh, Ellery, if you can solve a mystery in three hours, we've still got a chance to win. If you can't... Doesn't sound like Mac McClune talking. Three hours. Give me the facts. Well, Ellery, you know ball players. They're all kind of superstitious. Yeah. Remember how Babe Ruth always touched second base on his way in from right field at the end of every inning? Sparky's worse, Sergeant. He's got a pet bat. You mean Ellery's got to find one of those nasty things that fly around at night? <laughs> <laughs> Mac's a baseball manager, Nicky, not a zookeeper. He means a baseball bat. Go on, oh. Mac. Well, Ellery, with that pet bat of his, Sparky's the greatest hitter in the game today. Well, not it. He's just a bum. Huh? Uh, hold it, Sergeant. Uh. Mac, what happened to Sparks' bat and when? Well, the morning after the third game, Sparky told me about it, but it went clean out of my head. Somebody stole his bat. Aha. Uh -huh. If Sparky gets back his bat... You think you'll snap out of a slump, Mac? Inspector, I'll eat your badge in the locks dugout if he don't. <laughs> Ellery's been asked to find stolen jewels, stolen documents, but a stolen baseball bat. Quiet, Nicky. Mac, was the bat stolen from the clubhouse? Uh, no, Ellery. Sparky was so nervous about it, he wouldn't leave it in the regular bat rack. He took it home with him. Where does he live? Well, Sparky got married just before the series. You mean the World Series is Sparky's honeymoon? Uh, sort of, Miss Porter. So, uh, Mr. Dayton gives Sparky and Lily, that's Sparky's wife, the use of his apartment during the series. They've been living there. What are we waiting for? Let's go. Well, 
Uh, here's Dayton's apartment, Inspector. Okay, Mac. Really, you park out here in the hall and watch this front door. We don't want to be disturbed. Go ahead, Ellery. Knock. Hmm. Fancy layout. Oh, Inspector, you ain't leaving me out in the cold in a case like this. Bailey! Yes, sir. Mac, come on in. Oh, hello, Sparky. Uh, this is Inspector Queen, his son Ellery, and Miss Porter. Howdy. I'm going to meet the missus. Lily, Hi, meet Inspector Sparky. Queen. Gee, it's awful good of you folks to help Sparky. I reckon I'm past being helped, Lily. Maybe not, Mr. Sparks. Uh, when did you first discover your bat was stolen? Well, Mr. Queen, I always put the bat in the hall closet there. The first thing I woke up the morning of the fourth game, I, well, I look in the closet, and Uncle Sam, that's my pet name for the bat, you see. Sparky calls everything we own by a pet name, Mr. Queen. There's a skunk back home that bothers the chickens. Sparky calls him Hitler. I'm beginning to like you, Sparky. The bat was missing, Sparky, when you first looked in the closet that morning? No, Inspector... That time, Uncle Sam's standing there all right. But then, all that morning, we have visitors, and when they go away, and Lily and me get ready to mosey over to ballpark, why, I open the closet door, and Uncle Sam's gone. How many visitors did you have? Oh, wasn't it three, Lily? Oh, four, Sparky. Four visitors. Well, that means one of them must be the thief. I reckon so, Miss Porter. Uh, I wasn't counting Mr. Dayton, Lily. He's not exactly a visitor. This apartment being his and... Oh, Mr. Dayton come first. He forgot to take his golf bag with him when he gave up this apartment. So he comes to pick it up. Uh, tell Mr. Queen who the other three were, Sparky. Okay, Mac. Uh, uh, first, there was Pigoli. Pigoli? The big-time gambler? I smell a rat. And what did Mr. Pigoli want? Well, it's uh, it's sort of personal. Oh, now, Sparky, you mustn't hold anything back if you want Mr. Queen to help. Lily's right, Sparky. Well, Mac, I'll I look here, Ellery. Sparky's the idol of sports fans all over the country, and he deserves to be. He sets a good example for the kids. Don't drink, don't smoke, a square shooter. But he's got one weakness that's going to get him in a heap of trouble. It already has. I know. I read about it in the papers. Well, that's where the goalie fits. Gambling. Looks that way, Dad. Commissioner had you on the carpet about it, didn't he, Sparky? Mm, yeah, Inspector. But Sparky won't listen. He wastes most of his dough paying off. Oh, gee, I've tried so hard to make him stop. I, I even refused to marry him until he promised to quit. Only he he didn't quit. I reckon you'll have to excuse me. Oh, Lily, be a good girl, Nikki, and keep Mrs. Sparks company in the next room. All right, Ellery. So you owe Pagoli money, Sparky, and he came here yesterday morning to collect, hmm? When you start talking about gambling, Sparky shuts up like a clam. Guess who's outside asking to see Sparky, Ellery? Speak of the devil, Sergeant. Huh? A big shot for Gawley. Bring him in, Veely. All right, Inspector. Step into the parlor, Mr. Fly. Be careful with your hands, you. Yeah. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Sparks. I come back tomorrow, eh? Well, now, now, I don't know. It might be too late, Pagoli. Inspector Queen, I not see you at first. An umpire's eye, you not see him. Be careful how you talk, Mr. Veely. Sergeant Veely to you, pig. My business with Mr. Sparks, it can wait. I go now. Oh, wait, Mr. Pigoli. What do you want? Well, seeing how things are, maybe I better tell the truth. The truth? You told me Pigoli came to see you the other day about the money you owe him, Sparks. Well, I didn't want to worry you, Mac. Mr. Pigoli here, take care of what you spill, Hick. He was willing to forget my IOUs if... Mr. Sparks, I warn you. If what? If I threw the series, Mr. Queen. So that's it, Pigoli, you dirty backstab. Oh, you from me. You drop that right, Pigoli. Oh, Oh. Ah, it's dropped. Now I'll give you a demonstration of the famous Pigoli. Say, Uncle. Ah, that's better. Fireworks over. Now, Mr. Pagoli, did you have any bundles or packages with you when you visited this apartment the other day? All of a sudden, I'll talk English, huh? No, he, he didn't have Mr. Queen. You're sure, Sparky? Did he wear a top coat? No, sir. Okay. Let him out, Veely. Put a tail on him, though. I think we'll be seeing more of Mr. Pig. Come on, Pig. Back to your um, stuff. Uh, Sparky, who were the other two visitors you had? Who came after Pagoli? After Mr. Pagoli comes Colin. Colin. Manager of the Larks? Yep, and uh, after Collins comes Buck Fisher. Uh, Fisher's the first baseman on your own team, Mac, isn't he? Yeah. Sparky beat Buck out of the batting championship by three points. Mm, less than two hours left. Time's running out. Dad, you and Mac tackle manager Collins of the Larks. Nicky and I will call on the vanquished eagle batsman Buck Fisher. You'll find both of them at the stadium now, Ellery. Good. That saves us time. Dad, we check with each other at the stadium. Sparks can give us the other details on the way over. Hurry. <laughs> 
other since the old sand out days. We don't have to spar around. Well, what's on your mind, Inspector? Fellas, why did you, the manager of the opposition team, drop in to see Sparks, the star batter of Max team during the World Series? It's your little idea, Mac. Trying to frame me just before the start of the last game? You know me better than that, Collins. Okay. Inspector, I ran up to see Sparky about our bet. What bet? Two thousand bucks, even money on the World Series winner. Sparky bet his team to win, Collins? That's a hot one. Did you ever hear of Sparky betting against himself? Sure, he bet on his team. With his team taking the first three games, I thought Sparky might be willing to raise the ante. At uh, big odds, of course. But no soap. Sparky said no? He was willing, Mac. But his wife said nix. Collins, were you wearing a top coat that morning? Who, me? A top coat in this weather? Did you um, have any bundles with you? Criminy, no. Say, what's this all about anyway? Forget it. Come on, let's go, Mac. Uh, just a minute, Inspector. Uh, Collins. Yeah, Mac? Who you pitching today? <laughs> See tonight's paper. There's the door to the Eagles' locker room, Nicky. There comes an eagle. Uh, excuse me, are you Buck Fisher? Yeah. See you out in the field, fellas. Okay. Who are you? What? Don't you know Ellery Queen? Never heard of him, lady. Hey, you're not the new sports writer for the Herald, are you? <laughs> Strike. No, Fisher, I'm a detective. Detective? What goes? A few simple questions, Mr. Fisher. Why did you pay a visit to Sparks the morning of the fourth game? Well, Sparky and I had a bet all season on who'd wind up with the best batting average. Sparky won by three points. Ten is Hyde. And I saw him do it. Made five hits in the last game of the season. So what? So why'd you drop in to see Sparky that morning, Fisher? Oh, we had another bet. Who'd get the most hits in the series? Sparky hit like a house of fire the first three games, but I figured he'd fold. So that morning I comes up and I says, Sparky, how about doubling a bet? Did he, Fisher? He says yes, but his wife says no. So what's the matter, Sparky? Cold feet? Well, Sparky says okay. Yeah, then his wife starts the water work, so I beat it. But the double bet's on. Oh, there's a signal for batting practice. I gotta go out and cloud a couple. Oh, uh, Mr. Fisher. Yeah? Did you wear a top coat that morning or carry any packages? What? No. Miss Porter, why did you ask Fisher those last two questions? If you can ask him of Pagoli, Mr. Queen, I can ask him of Fisher. <laughs> That's what I thought. Come on, Miss Copycat. Let's find Dad. Inspector, you learned exactly as much from Collins as Ellery and I did from Buck Fisher. Yeah, yeah, Nicky, a great big goose egg. Uh, Ellery, the game will be starting in a few minutes. Uh, are we getting anywhere? <laughs> well, Sergeant. Ah, we haven't even got to first base. Ellery, we're no nearer finding that bat than when we start. I wouldn't say that, Dad. Ellery, don't tell me you know where... Yes, I know where Sparky's bat is, Nicky. There's only a 50-50 chance it's still there. Dad... Step aside with me. I'll tell you what to do. Now, you telephone... Ellery and his pesky secret. Yeah. I wonder what's cooking. Nearly two hours since Dad made that phone call, Nikki, and no sign of anybody. You wear out the sidewalk, Ellery. Two hours waiting at the ball player's entrance, and we could have been inside with Dad and Vili watching the game. Uh, Dad, what inning is it? Last of the night, son. Uh, what's the score now, Sergeant? Still the same, Miss Porter. One to nothing oh. in favor of the large. Oh, give up, Ellery. It's too late now. You, you must have been wrong this time. Nikki, I tell you, I wasn't wrong. I couldn't have been. How can I go in there and face Mac McClune without that pet bat of Sparky? Well, you can't do the impossible, Ellery. He gave you only a few hours. What's that? Nikki, this is it. What? A police call? What hour is it? Hello, Ellery Queen? Yes. Here it is. The bat. Hooray! <laughs> 
think we've got it. Are we in time, Mr. McLoon? By the snakes of St. Patrick, it is. It's Sparky's bat. Hey, Sparks! Floyd, Floyd, call Sparky back. He's on his way to the plate. Right. Right for the police department. Hey, how's it saying? Oh, we're behind. Inspector, same as yesterday. One to nothing. Last to nine. Bases full. Two out and Sparky up. Sparky! Sparks get a hit. Any hit will drive in two runs. And we win. Sparky, take the lead out of your feet. Hey, what is it, Mac? You're, you're not benching. Huh? You're bat, Sparky. Your own bat here. Now go on out there and use it. Uncle Sam. Don't you worry, Mac. Good old Uncle Sam won't let you down. One side, fellas. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the mystery and I hope a solution as well. Nikki, will you be good enough to introduce our guest armchair detectives for this evening? Well, Ellery... Our guests tonight are certainly the right men to try to solve this mystery because both of them know just about all there is to know about baseball. And when I tell you who they are, you'll see what I mean. Our first guest is Ken Sears, catcher of the New York Yankees and son of Ziggy Sears, famous National League umpire. You can be sure that when the Yankees meet the St. Louis Cardinals for the first World Series game October 5th, more than a few eyes will be watching Ken Sears. All right, Nikki, I'll agree the first guest knows baseball. But what about the second? Well, our second guest isn't a ball player. But that doesn't mean he doesn't know about baseball. He's Art Flynn, business manager of the Sporting News, the Bible of the baseball world. Mr. Flynn has been with the Sporting News for 16 years and has covered every World Series in that time. Mr. Flynn says that the Sporting News has a tremendous international circulation since so many of its old readers are now in the service, but still yelling for their copies. And, incidentally, they get them. And now, Ellery? Mr. Sears, I have two questions for you this evening. Number one, where did I find Sparky's bat? And two, who stole it? Well, Mr. Queen, I believe you found that bat in Mr. Dayton's golf bag. Mr. Dayton's golf bag. And uh, how did it get there? Well, I believe uh, Mr. Dayton visited Sparky's uh, uh, apartment that morning, and I believe he uh, stole that bat and uh, went out to the golf course to play golf and missed that last game of the World Series. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Mr. Sears. And now, Mr. Flynn, where did I find Sparky's bat and who stole it? I think I've got to agree with uh, Ken Sears, Ellery, uh, that he found it in the golf bag because no one had a top coat. And secondly, I'd say that when the that the person that put it there was Lily, the wife, because when they were talking about if he threw the series and she walked out and said no when they wanted to double his bet, it's a case of that famous French saying, Cherchez la femme. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Mr. Flynn and Mr. Sears. You'll have to wait a moment to find out whether you've solved tonight's mystery correctly. And in the meanwhile, here's Ernest Chappell, who it develops is up on his modern slang. Ellery <laughs> means I'm hep to the jive, I suppose. And all because I happen to mention to him that when you have a headache, you just can't be on the beam. In other words, you don't feel 100%. But if you're hep, that is to say if you know your way around, the chances are that you know our bromo seltzer gives quick, effective relief from the three-way misery that may often accompany a common sick headache. Yes, bromo seltzer acts three ways, on head, nerves, and stomach. Try bromo seltzer the next time you have a common sick headache. See how quickly it has you cooking with gas, or as we old fogies say, feeling more like your old self again. <laughs> That was simple, Nicky, once I knew the facts. Only four people, Dayton, Pagoli, Collins, and Fisher, visited Sparky between the last time he saw the bat in the closet and the time he saw it was gone. So obviously, one of those four stole the bat from the apartment. Well, I said that long ago, Ellery, but which one? The important question wasn't who took the bat, Nicky, but how. How was the bat taken out of the apartment under Sparks' nose without Sparks seeing it? After all, a bat is the size of a object, 36 inches long and a solid hunk of hickory. So that's why you asked about the packages and the top coats. Right, Dad. 
But none of the four visitors carried a package or wore a topcoat. The topcoat idea was a shot in the dark. Actually, you can't conceal a 36-inch baseball bat under a coat, or inside a trouser leg for that matter, and still walk like a human being. Yet the bat was taken from the apartment. How? Wow, one. There was one article taken out of that apartment that was big enough to conceal a 36-inch baseball bat. But Sparks said nothing went out, sir. Wrong, Dad. Sparks said one thing did go out. Remember? Dayton's golf bag. Dayton? The owner of the Eagles? The one who lent the Sparks as his apartment? That's right. Dayton came back for his golf bag, Sparky said. And with the top zippered over, it'd hold a baseball bat and not be seen. Now, strike two. Now, either Dayton put the bat in his golf bag or someone else did. If Dayton were the thief, the first thing he'd do once he was out of the hotel was get rid of the bat. But if someone else put the bat into Dayton's bag and Dayton hadn't yet looked inside, the bat would still be there. So, Nicky, Everett told me to phone the chief of police nearest to Dayton's country club. Chief rushed to the club, found Dayton's bag still unopened, and the bat inside. Well, Mr. Dayton can't be the thief. And there's ball two. Then, then who stole the bat? Who did it? Well, who hid it in Dayton's golf bag? Well, who was in the apartment when Dayton took away his bag? Not Pagoli, not Collins, nor Fisher. None of them had arrived yet. Only two people were there besides Dayton, Sparks and his wife. Did Sparky steal his own bat? Would he deliberately get rid of the one thing he needed most to win his bet? No. Couldn't be Sparks. Then it must be... You mean his own wife? Mrs. Sparks stole that bat. She's the only one left, so Sparky's wife must be the thief. Ah, ball three, my son. But Pete, take every while. Um, Mrs. Sparks. Yes, Mr. Queen. Will, will you come here, please? You want me, Mr. Queen? You've heard what I just said. Mrs. Sparks. Lily, why did you do it? Oh, gee, I thought if Sparky lost his pet bat, he'd lose his bets. And Collins and Fisher and Pagoli and all the others. I thought that would cure him. But I, oh, gee, I didn't realize what it would mean to Mac and to Sparky's teammates and all the fans. I, well, I was scared to admit Doggone it, a foul. Ellery, do we have to tell Sparky? If everything comes out all right, I don't see why, Nikki. Oh, you're a darling. Don't forget Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam came through in the clutch, and he always will. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to the mystery. I want to thank Mr. Sears and Mr. Flynn for appearing as guest armchair detectives this evening. We want especially to compliment Mr. Flynn on his skill in solving the crime. We have for both Mr. Sears and Mr. Flynn a personal gift from Bromo Seltzer, also an autographed copy of my latest mystery anthology, The Female of the Species, and a subscription to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. In just a minute, Ellery will be back to tell you about next week's mystery. Meanwhile, here's a friendly tip from an old pal, our famous talking Bromo Seltzer train. Why, yes, fight headaches three ways with Bromo Seltzer. You see, common sick headaches may often affect you three ways, pounding head, nerves that jingle, jangle, jingle, and upset stomach. So it seems sensible to take Bromo Seltzer, which is scientifically designed to fight all three. Yes, Bromo Seltzer gives quick relief from that pain in your head. Bromo Seltzer helps calm jumpy nerves. Bromo Seltzer helps settle upset stomach. Now you can take Bromo Seltzer while it's still fizzing or after it settles down. Use it only as directed on the label for frequent or recurring headaches. See your doctor. When it's a common sick headache that has you feeling miserable, let our talking train tell you how to lick it. Say, Ellery, mm -hmm. come on back here a minute. You got anything to say before we close up this yes, shop? Yes, I have, Chappie. Well? Ladies and gentlemen, because you had asked for them, during the summer months, we brought you what we felt were the best of the Ellery Queen mysteries broadcast during the last five years. Tonight's story marks the end of these command performance. For with next Saturday's mystery, we will again bring you brand new Ellery Queen adventures. 